you have your Bibles this morning, let's open the Word of God to 1 Timothy. The book of 1 Timothy. What a beautiful day God's given us, and uh, I'm glad you're here to enjoy it with us. First Timothy chapter 1, that's where we'll be in our message. <clears throat> and I trust you are excited about things God's done for you uh, in, the, in the recent past. We were just talking Wednesday night about God's faithfulness, His goodness. We talked about answer to prayer. And uh, we had several praises shared Wednesday night. And uh, it is great to see the Lord working and answering prayer and doing good things. And uh, it's always a, a cause for rejoicing when you just look around and you can just see the answers. You see God working, God providing, and uh, that certainly is good. First Timothy chapter 1, uh, if you have that, we're going to read a few verses there. We'll open in prayer first and then we'll begin to read. Once you found your place, if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. 1 Timothy chapter 1, let's have prayer and then we'll begin reading in verse 12. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you today, how we thank you for your word. Lord, we just ask that you'd encourage our hearts today through the reading of your word. We pray you'd guide and instruct us by your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, you'll teach us the things that you'd have us to do as a result of what we learn today. So encourage us, speak to our hearts, Lord, inspire us, strengthen us. Uh, whatever we need today, <clears throat> we just ask you to use your word to do that work in our hearts. And Lord, we do thank you in advance for all you're going to do. In Jesus' precious name we ask. Amen. All right, verse 12, if you have your place. The Bible says there, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. What a text. Paul the Apostle, writing back to young Timothy, gives testimony of these things. I want to call your attention back to verse 12, if I may. Notice he says there, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, and here's what I want you to see, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I want to preach on that thought. He counted me faithful. If you're in the habit of marking in your Bible, you might underline that expression of the Apostle Paul there. And we're going to preach on this topic of faithfulness this morning. Thank you so much. You may be seated. What a thought, right? <clears throat> Often, maybe you've heard as well as I, <clears throat> the saying that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And if you're wondering about things like that, statements that we make, that sometimes we refer to them as cliches. And a cliche is not always necessarily true. It's just a, it's just a saying. This one is true. It happens to be biblical. The idea that God enables those that he called. And Paul states that right here in this text. Now, from an earthly perspective, when we look at Paul's resume, his life testimony, we would say, oh, he was very qualified. But that's not his testimony. He said, God called me and he enabled me, putting me in the ministry. So by his own admission, by his own testimony, Paul is telling us, and this is where we reword it into that cliche, 
that God qualifies the called. So in verse 12, he says, He hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And thank God for that. As far as perspectives go, you've probably seen the old old handwritten letter. And it was written like from a business perspective. And it was written uh, about the ministry, about the disciples actually. And it said, I've gone through uh, some of the characteristics of these men. They're None of them are, are, are really, uh, uh, you know, employable fellows. None of them really have experience. They don't really have any outstanding qualifications. But one prospect really seems to be uh, reassuring. This is the guy we would want to hire, if anybody. And, you know, you read the whole letter as he just talks about this one person stands out among the crowd, talking about the 12 disciples. And he said, the guy that we would recommend is Judas. Iscariot. <laughs> well, what a recommendation, right? Uh, the wrong one. So that just gives you kind of a sharp contrast of the difference between an earthly perspective and a heavenly perspective. What we see when we look at people and then what God sees when he looks at people. It kind of reminds me of Samuel going to anoint the king of Israel. Remember that? And he saw David's firstborn son, Eliab, tall and and handsome. Oh, this must be the one. And God said, whoa, 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 sit down, Samuel. This is not the one. So obviously Samuel saw some things that made him impressed, and he was ready to anoint him king. But God said, no, no, I'm, I'm looking inside his heart, and I see things you don't see. This is not the candidate. So they go through all of the kids. And God didn't say anoint any of them. So Samuel turns to Jesse and says, well, where, where are, is these all your sons? No, he said, I have one more. Really? Okay, well, go get him. So they go out to the field. They get David. They bring him in. David's the runt of the family, the youngest sibling. He comes into the room, and Samuel's not impressed. By then, he's sitting down, and God has to say, up, Samuel, get up. This is him. anoint him king what really so again from a human perspective that didn't look like the one but that's exactly who God picked God said I want David David has what it takes he looked on his heart well Paul noticed that when God looked at him he saw something And he told us what it is in verse 12. When God looked into the life of Saul of Tarsus, there were a lot of terrible things, but there was some good things. And God saw one of those good things. It was his faithfulness. So he says to Timothy that God enabled me. Why? It says, for that he counted me faithful. And then it says, putting me into the ministry. Now, you may put brackets around that last expression, putting me into the ministry. And I want you to understand something, that that the way Paul words this, he's implying, he's inferring this thought. That God enabled him, and there was a qualifier for that. Who gets God's enabling? He said, God enabled me, and then he says, for that, or in other words, because of, He counted me faithful. So those who are faithful are the ones whom God invests his enabling grace. 
And then he says, putting me into the ministry as if his faithfulness was the qualifier for being put into the ministry there. Isn't that good? So you know what? God doesn't require the highest IQ. God doesn't require the most talented. God doesn't require the the best gifted person for ministry. As a matter of fact, the Bible says not many mighty, not many chosen are called, or not many noble are called. God have chosen the base things of this world, the foolish things that he might confound the wise. God takes the ones that are simple, the ones that seem to not have the skills, and then he enables them. Maybe in the workplace, you've probably heard uh, this saying that you need to hire for character because you can teach the skill. There's a lot of people that get that backwards. They want to hire the skill set. They want to hire somebody that already knows how to run the machine. But the problem with that is you may be getting a rotten apple. You may be getting a bad attitude. You may be getting someone who's going to infuse your workplace uh, with a lot of drama and negativity. This person may not be a good fit because of, not because of what's on the outside, but because of what's on the inside. So what do you do? To, to avoid that problem, you, you hire for character. You, you hire attitude and you teach the skill, right? Anybody can learn how to run a machine. Anybody can learn those skill sets uh, that we so often need. Now, I understand there are times when you don't have time for that. I get it. Those are the exceptions to the rule. And uh, we find here that, that God uses some of those same principles that we find ourselves promoting in the workplace. So God is looking for the faithful. And God put Paul in the ministry by his own testimony because he was faithful. Now, we've been talking about virtues on Wednesday night. And we learned that the greatest Christian virtue is love. But as far as life and your character, one of the greatest character traits is faithfulness. And Paul is bringing out this truth here. He said, he counted me faithful. I wonder this morning, if God looked at us, would he count you faithful? Could we say that? God counted me faithful. This was Paul's testimony. This is what he shared. So what is faithfulness? Well, I believe faithfulness defined, you can look it up in a dictionary for that matter, and you'll find thoughts such as this. Faithfulness is a firm adherence to duty. Understanding what responsibility is and being on top of it, right? Being there to take care of it. Faithfulness is being worthy of trust. So by definition, These are the ways you would define what it is to be faithful. A firm adherence to duty, being worthy of trust. Being faithful means doing one's duty. Not just knowing what it is, but but faithful to do it. Somebody said, as far as, you know, in church work, if you want to get something done, find the busiest person in church and give the job to them. And they're saying, no, (laughs) no. But why would we say that? Because the busiest person is probably the one who's committed. They're probably the kind of person that when they say, I will do it, they really mean that. So you can count on them when it comes to getting things done. All right. How about you? Can we count on you? Are you a are you do you do you firmly adhere to duty? 
Are you worthy of trust? Are you doing one's duty? That means you do your work. All right. Um, You've probably heard this at work before. People say, hey, man, your mama doesn't work here. (laughs) What does that mean? It means clean up behind yourself. Do your own job. Don't expect somebody to come behind you and, and pick up the pieces that you leave behind. Right? That's what it means to be doing one's duty. That nobody has to do that for you. How about this? Keeping one's promise. Keeping one's... These are simple thoughts, but this is the definition of faithfulness. I am so amazed at how many people are quick to say, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Hey, count me in, brother. But then when it comes time, it's like, hey, you seen so-and-so? No. They said they would be here. They said, count me in. I'm dependent on them. Do you keep your promises? You know, you don't have to cross your heart and hope to die and stick a needle in your eye and all that stuff for it to be a promise, you know. All you have to do is say, I'll do that. All you have to do is say, yes. Hey, can you take care of that for me? Yes. That's a promise. You just gave your word. You just committed yourself. Do you know how lightly people give those words? It amazes me how some people seem so comfortable saying those things with no intention of fulfilling them. That's not faithfulness. So when when Paul said, God counted me faithful, this is what he meant. You know, it's one thing for you to think you're faithful. It's another thing for other people to think you're faithful. And then it's another for God to say you're faithful. As a believer, it really should mean more to us what God thinks about us than what other people think about us. And so our goal this morning is not to get to the place where others would count us faithful, but our job as believers, our desire should be that we want to stand in the place where God counts us faithful. That's good ground. And Paul said, that's the ground I was standing on, where God said, this is a faithful guy. To be faithful means to be true and accurate. To be faithful also means to be full of faith. Now, you don't have to be full of faith to keep your promise, right? That's why decades ago, generations ago, that's why they could do a business deal on a handshake. Because that generation... They valued a commitment, even even with their word. They valued a commitment. They understood what it was to be committed, to be faithful. And they were serious about carrying that out. And so, man, just a handshake would do it. But nowadays, it it takes a signature, notarized, and almost witnessed by a lawyer. I mean, there's enough paper there to write a book. Why? Because the commitment that people make is now of very little value. And all that paperwork means, it's like a big crowbar, that paperwork means we can pursue legal means, if necessary, to get you to do what you said you would do. That's a shame, isn't it? 
It sure is a sad testament that it takes all that for somebody to keep their promise. May God help us to be faithful. But faithfulness is also described. It's described in the Bible. There There are examples of faithfulness in the Bible. Moses was faithful. The Bible says in Numbers 12 and verse 7, who is faithful in all mine house. Hananiah is faithful. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 2, for he was a faithful man. Daniel was faithful. The Bible says in Daniel 6, 4, for as much as he was faithful. The Bible says of, uh, of Timothy in 1 Corinthians 4, 17, faithful in the Lord. How about Abraham in Galatians 3, 9, The Bible calls him faithful Abraham. There's a man by the name of Tychicus in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. It says he was a faithful minister in the Lord. Again, this is is God's word. Saying these people, confirming that they were faithful, describing them as being faithful. How about Epaphras in Colossians 1, verse 7? It says that he was a faithful minister of Christ. And then there was Onesimus in in, uh, Colossians 4, 9 that says he was a faithful and beloved brother. Silvanus in 1 Peter 5, 12, it says that he was a faithful brother. Antipas in Revelation 2, 3, it says my faithful martyr. Think about that. So the Bible describes faithfulness and God has a lot to say about that. Being faithfulness, if you, as far as a description, it means to be loyal. It means to be consistent. All right? So there, therein implies one of the attributes of God, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus is the same, that means he's consistent. And you can see that through the scriptures. God wants us to reflect some of that, to have enough consistency to be predictable when it comes to keeping our word and the vows and promises that we make. How about being dependable? Being dependable means somebody can count on you. Now, we think people can count on us, but here's the real question. Do they know they can count on us? If they're not sure and we keep them guessing, then we're not faithful. Dependable. How about this one? Being trustworthy. Trustworthy means true to your word. Are you trustworthy? If you've broken your promises and if you've casually said, I'll do that, never intending to do it and and almost never following through, then you're not trustworthy. If you've ever told people you'll do something and then didn't show up to do it, then you're not trustworthy. Oh, you know what? Ouch, this hurts, doesn't it? But it should. It should cause us to stop and give a little more conscious effort into our words and into our thoughts before we say, yeah, I'll do that. We need to be faithful. God is looking for some faithful people. And when God saw faithfulness in Saul of Tarsus, oh, he reached down and said, I can do something with him. How about you? You know, if you and I would be faithful, God could do something with us. To be faithful means to be devoted It means to be committed. This is just a description 
of what it is to be faithful. So we looked at the definition. Now we looked at the description of faithfulness in the Bible. God talks about faithfulness in his word because faithfulness is important. I want to show you a verse. Look at 1 Corinthians with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, if you would. And just turn over there for a moment. And I want you to see in the scriptures something about faithfulness. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, if you found your place, look at verse 2. The Bible says, moreover in stewards, or excuse me, moreover it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. All right, now let's back up a little bit. Let's understand what is being said in this context. All right, so he says here, it is required in who? Stewards. What is a steward? A steward is a person who manages the affairs of someone else. Now, today we call them a personal assistant, right, or something like that, but that's stewardship. Steward, a steward, or, or having stewardship means that I'm managing something that belongs to someone else. So guess what? An employee is a steward. A manager is a steward. A supervisor is a steward. And as believers, we are stewards of the things that God gives to us. In the Bible, the Bible says it's God that gives us the strength to get wealth. God gives us the ability to go to work. God gave us all the materials that we have to work with. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You know what that means? It means he owns everything. You know he owns the hills, right? So if he owns the hills, that includes the grass they eat, and he owns the cattle, well, then he owns it all. What that really means is that you and I don't really own anything. We just manage it for a while. We take our shift, we manage it during our time, and then we go away. And guess what? Somebody else comes along. We're just stewards. And, and you know, the better we understand that concept, and, and the more we use our stewardship in line with what God said and how he wants things managed, then the better off we are. As a matter of fact, the more glory we bring to God as a steward by the way we manage it, if we understand that, that principle. So notice what Paul says. It's required in stewards, that's us, that a man be found faithful. Now that, man, that term man there is a generic term. It means mankind. So that includes women, teenagers, all right, anybody with responsibility. <clears throat> it says it's required that we be found faithful. What we learn from that is that faithfulness is required. Do we see now from the text that Paul gave to Timothy and, and now in this verse we're building the idea, we're seeing what God sees and we're understanding that when God does a work, when God looks down and he's looking at us, one of the prerequisites that he's looking for is faithfulness. I'm sure, go back and look at uh, David, the one who God told Samuel to anoint king. Did God see faithfulness in the life of David? Absolutely he did. Did God see faithfulness in the life of Samuel? Because God called Samuel also and did something great with his life? Absolutely he did. And go back through all the great people of the Bible. You'll see that they were faithful. And we just read a list of others that, 
that uh, the Bible says they were faithful people. Faithfulness is required. Do you want God to use you this morning? Do you want God to bless you this morning? Have you ever wondered if God would send revival to your heart or to your family, to your church? Have you ever wondered if God would do something great in your community, in your lifetime? God is saying the requirement first is faithfulness. Do we have what it takes for God to do a great work here? It is required that we have faithfulness. Faithfulness is required. If we want God to do something great, then we need to do something great, and that is to be faithful. Faithfulness is not only required, but faithfulness is rare. Would you turn with me to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament? Almost in the middle of your Bible, in the middle you'll find Psalms, and if you'll turn to the right, the next book is the book of Proverbs. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 20. By the way, a good exercise for you to do as a Christian is to read a proverb every day. You can read a chapter a day if you correspond the date with the chapter. So today is the 7th, so you would read Proverbs chapter 7. It's a great practice to get into, and there's a lot of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. It just might rub off. If you go there frequently. All right, so Proverbs chapter 20 is where we are. And if you would, go with me to verse 6. Proverbs chapter 20, in verse 6, notice the Bible says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find? What does that tell us? It tells us that faithfulness is rare. It's not a dime a dozen. It's not always out there. Now, there may have been a time when faithful people were easier to find than they are today. I don't know about you, but I keep hearing from employers, you can't find good help. What do they mean by good help? People that will show up to work. People that will actually work while they're there. And I'm thinking, that's, wait a minute, that's good help? Well, that's a low expectation. Isn't it just understood that if you're employed, that you're going to be there? Isn't it just understood that if you're employed, that you're going to work? You may not be the best, but you should always give your best, right? Isn't that just understood? It should be, but it's not. What does that tell us? It tells us that the Bible is true. Faithfulness is rare. A faithful man who can find. We're talking about a faithful man. We're talking about somebody who would come to work and get started even if the boss isn't there. We're talking about somebody that would come and do their job even if the boss isn't there. You don't need a supervisor. You don't need somebody cracking the whip over your back if you're faithful. You come to work and you get started. You know what to do, you do it. But a faithful man, who can find? In the Bible, faithfulness is required In the Bible, faithfulness is rare. In the Bible, faithfulness is rewarded. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 28, verse 20. It says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Now, blessings in the Bible are not always financial. But obviously, the guy who works is going to have a little money in his pocket. 
Amen? So the faithful man is going to abound with blessings. Matthew 25, verse 23 says this. It says, Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. So God is going to give more to those who are faithful with what they have. If you're faithful with what you have, then God knows he can trust you with more. If you're not faithful with what you have, then God knows he can't trust you with more. So there's a lot of people that that don't work hard. They miss work. They don't do what they say. They don't keep their word. They're not faithful, but they're praying they'll win the lottery. (laughs) And God's just shaking his head. I thought it was interesting. Dave Ramsey was being interviewed by someone else. I don't remember who the interviewer was. And Dave Ramsey had next to him a pastor who wrote a book about financial blessings and about about stewardship, actually about giving and what it means to be a steward. And so the two of them were being interviewed together and they were talking about the matter of money. And both of them agreed that, that, that money and the management of money is spiritual in nature. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I never thought about it like that. I know the perspective you manage it with should be spiritual in nature if you're a believer. But they said, no, money's a spiritual thing. And they said, as a matter of fact, money is an enhancer. It will enhance who you already are. So they said, for example, if you're kind and giving and loving and helpful and you, have, and, and you get a bunch of money, you're going to be more kind and more helpful and more giving. Right? But guess what? If you're a jerk and you're mean and hateful and you get a bunch of money, you're just going to be a bigger jerk and you're going to be more mean and more hateful. thought, wow, okay. That explains a few of the people I've worked for in the past. <laughs> no wonder they were who they were. Huh? But I thought, you know, isn't that true? Money just enables you to be more of who you are, to do more of what you want. So if you're a positive person and you have, you have uh, ambitious goals, you're going to be able to do more if you have more money. But if you're a negative person, right, same, the same thing is true. So no wonder, guess what? No wonder if we're not faithful and we don't work hard, no wonder God's not pouring a bunch of money in our lap. It's just going to make us more of what we are. God's looking down at what's within. That doesn't mean that he doesn't see what's without. He sees them both. And that's why he doesn't give us more of what we want sometimes because we're not ready for it. We couldn't handle it if we had it. It may ruin us in the state we're in. And oftentimes God has to prepare us for the good things he has down the road. And that's what he did in the life of Saul who became Paul the apostle. He saw something he could work with. And then he enabled him. He didn't see that he was already enabled, but he did see that he was faithful. And so God used that and and built on that aspect of his faithfulness, called him to the ministry and enabled him to do what God wanted him to do. And then God used his life greatly. In Luke 16 and verse 10, it says again, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Right? So the kind of boss that's really conscientious about their business, the kind of boss that really cares about getting things done, 
Those are the kind of people that are going to be looking for faithfulness in their employees. And guess who they're going to promote? Not their buddy. Not the buddy who likes to sit instead of work. Okay, that tells you a lot about your boss if they're doing that kind of stuff. They're building their business on their buddies and they're walking on their workers. Okay, now you know who you're working for. But a boss who finds those who are faithful and they're really getting it done and promotes that one and promotes them to leadership, there's a boss who wants to go somewhere. There's a boss who's willing to invest in his people and in return for that faithfulness, he's willing to not only promote them, but train them, educate them, invest in them so they become better, not only at what they do, but in who they are. That's a good place to be. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10 says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. God is looking at our faithfulness, folks, and it's important to him what he finds. One of these days, God wants to be able to reward faithfulness, and he will. The question is, will he reward you? Earlier we said faithfulness was defined and we gave the definition. We said faithfulness was described and we gave the description of what people call faithfulness. But I want you to see that faithfulness is decided. How do you become faithful? How does God see that stuff in you? Well, first, you have to make up your mind to become faithful. You have to choose Somewhere in your heart, you have to say, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be that kind of person. Now, you know what? You may not be smart. You may not be the most hardworking. You may not be the most talented, gifted. You may not have the most money. But hey, guess what? Everybody can be faithful. You can keep your word. You can keep your promise. You can show up when you're supposed to. You can be the kind of person that people can count on. Faithfulness. And I don't know if that's a big deal where you work, but I know it's a big deal to God. Our God is looking down from heaven. He's looking for that. He's looking for some of that faithfulness. Faithfulness has to be decided. That's what happened in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, when the Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. What was he doing? He was choosing to be faithful to God. He said, I know what God's word teaches about this. And instead of going with the flow and doing what everybody else is doing, he said, I'm pushing away and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. He purposed in his heart. He chose. Hey, I wonder this morning, will you choose faithfulness? Will you choose to be there? Hey, before you choose, let me just tell you, if you're going to choose in your heart, you also got to roll up your sleeves because faithfulness requires work. It takes effort. You have to pay a price to be faithful. Because next time you say, oh, yeah, yeah, count me in. Guess what? That means now, now you got to show up. Now you got to do what you promised. And the doing of it is a whole lot harder than the saying, count me in. I'll be there. Oh, yeah. I remember sitting with a relative one time and expressing a little frustration because somebody had just done me that way. You know, they had said, oh, yeah, count me in. 
They were nowhere to be found when the time came. And I was sharing that with, with a, a relative, and I said, man, can you believe that? Can you believe somebody would actually say, yeah, I'll do it, I'll help you, yeah. And then come time to do it, you can't even find them. And I was shocked when this relative looked at me puzzled and said, really? Wow, I could so see myself doing that. <laughs> I thought, what? I could not believe what I was hearing. He just admitted. I could so see myself saying that. You know, in the moment. Oh yeah, count me in. And then pff, five minutes later, you don't even remember saying it. Wow. I don't know about you, folks, that blows my mind. Because obviously, there's never been a decision way down in here that says, I'm going to be faithful. Now, I know those people can be faithful when they want to. I know who people who, who, who do that all the time. But, but guess what? They have finished some things. They have gone to work. I've seen them. They follow through when they want to. Right? Hey, we need to follow through all the time, not just when you want to. Faithfulness likes to live with character. Because faithfulness has to get out of bed when it doesn't want to. When it doesn't feel good. When you wish you had not said that. <laughs> but I committed myself, so I'm going and I'm doing it anyway. Right? Faithfulness. We need to be faithful in our church attendance. Faithful in our giving. Faithful in our Bible reading, our prayer. Faithful to witness for the Lord. Faithful in our work. So in Revelation it says, Be thou faithful unto death. We read it a moment ago. Revelation 2.10. Be thou faithful unto death. I will give thee the crown of life. God has a, a reward. He has a special reward for those who are faithful. Will you be one? Will you be one? That's the question. Let's bow in prayer. Father, how we love you today. How we see this great attribute that you saw in the life of Paul. And that faithfulness in his life caused you to choose him and use him and greatly. Lord, every believer nowadays, we, we look at Paul the Apostle as one of the greats, the greatest perhaps, outside the Lord Jesus. And Lord, we all emulate him and, and what he was able to accomplish for Christ. But we have to come away from this message knowing that if we will accomplish anything for the Lord, we have to be found faithful, just as he was. So help us today. Help us choose. Help us be counted faithful. Help us to make that decision, that choice today, and follow through with it by carrying out those commitments and those actions. Lord, we pray you'll do that kind of work in our heart and our life. Keep it ever present on our mind, Lord, that we too might be found faithful. And we do thank you in advance, Lord, for doing this great work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.